I turn with me over to uh, Acts chapter 4. The title of the message today is Joseph, an Exceptional Churchman. Joseph, an Exceptional Churchman. Acts chapter 4, verses 36 through 37, and then we're going to read Acts 11, 19 through 24. Acts 4, 36, 37. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 11, verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with with Stephen, made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus, 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord, 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Lord, help us as we study your word today. Barnabas, Joseph, what an amazing guy. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles, disciples, we don't know where he came from. We do know that he was a Jewish man. It does say he was a Levite of Cyprian birth. But we don't know how he came to be a leader of the entire church, one that could be entrusted with the responsibility of setting in order things that had never occurred before. Greeks, people like us who are not Gentiles coming to the knowledge of the truth. Remember, the first church was all Jewish. Jewish from different backgrounds, not just Jews in Jerusalem, Jews from all over the world, but it was Jewish. And the Jewish people understood Jesus to be Jewish, and the promises to come from Abraham, who would establish the Jewish people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob's name would be changed to Israel. Israel would be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, and one of those tribes that remained after all were dispersed through the Assyrian uh, conquest of, of most of the land was Judah and Judah was the last to be taken captive this tribe Judah was where Jerusalem was and as a result of it being the contiguous people that were left as a, in that all all other tribes were dispersed they began to be known as the Jews Barnabas was a, a man that was a part of this thing that was particularly Jewish but he was of Cyprian birth. So he wasn't born in the promised land. He was born someplace else. And so he had some different flavor in his life of what it was like to live in a Greek world. As the gospel was beginning to break out amongst, beyond the Jewish people, to people like us, the Jews in Jerusalem said, How? How, how is this possible? Fortunately, they had a moment in the prior chapter where Peter had this vision of 
animals in a sheet coming down. They were all unclean. Remember Jewish, uh, good Jewish people were kosher. And Peter was kosher. He only ate certain kinds of food. And so when lobster and ribs and oysters started coming out of this thing, all of which we would say, more please, Lord, a Jewish man who's kosher says, I, I can't eat that. That's unclean. I can't do that. That's against the dietary laws. And yet this sheep came out of heaven, and there it was. And he heard this voice say, get up and eat. He says, no, Lord, I can't eat. Now, he knew the thing was done of God because in the dream, in the vision, this trance he's in, he says, no, Lord. He knew it was of God. And it's not really, it's not very consistent in your worship to tell God no. Just FYI. If he's your Lord, then you need to do what he says. He's not just Lord only in name. He's Lord in function. Can't say no, Lord. Drops out. Finally, it goes up. Happens three times. And then God says, by the way, there's some guys coming from the Greek world. They're Roman soldiers, and they're going to knock on the door. When you hear them go down, they're going to be asking for you because I sent them from a man named Cornelius so that you could go with them to preach to these Gentiles. And Peter's thinking, really? Wow. So they had that before this Barnabas moment. And so Barnabas, being from Cyprus, and some of the people who were being won were from Cyprus, they send then Jerusalem sends Barnabas to them, saying, not only are you consistent with our theology, but you understand their culture. So go and figure out whether this thing is legitimate. And now the gospel is being spread beyond the Jewish world to people like us. And then it's not just, you know, a one-off. The, the church at Antioch, two chapters later, establishes this consistent outreach to people like us. Since Paul and Barnabas, two guys that kind of had this idea that maybe this thing could go to folk who don't know anything about the Jewish law and can't call Abraham dad. And so all of us now are called to him. Beautiful thing, Barnabas was a part of that. But we don't know exactly how he came to be a part of that. Maybe he was a part of the 70 that I mentioned earlier in Luke chapter 10 that were sent out. Maybe. We don't know. Maybe he was a part of the 120 that were there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came in Jerusalem and, and folks got baptized in the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues and it spilled out into the streets and 3,000 people got saved. Maybe. But we do know this, that although he was not mentioned in any of the other stuff, he is mentioned here in Acts chapter 4. There's not enough press on Barnabas for me. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not saying the scripture is deficient. I'm just saying I'd like to know more about this guy because he's amazing. And sometimes God gives you little snippets, headlines, so that you have to read between the lines to figure out who and what was going on. Makes you study. Get out your shovel and start digging. Where did Barnabas come from? He was known as Joseph. And we know that the order had changed. The culture of the Jewish people had changed with respect to church because now the folks who used to be able to participate in temple worship couldn't do it anymore. They were increasingly finding themselves distant from all of the religious leaders that believed that they were Jewish heretics. These Christians now who were worshiping Jesus could not participate in everything that was going on in the temple. And, 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 and they had to establish their own order 
We know this in Acts chapter 6. Whereby now the Hellenistic Jewish widows who had come probably to the Feast of Pentecost where, where, where the Holy Spirit had been poured out, they probably got saved and they realized, I can't go back home. There's nothing there back home. I, what? There, nobody knows about Jesus back. I got to stay here if I want to find some spiritual life and, and health. So they stay. But it's not set up now for them to be provided for because there was provision in the Jewish law and in their culture, their, their, their ecclesiology, there was provision for widows and orphans to be provided for yes. from the temple funds. But now they were part of the church, they couldn't be. So the church had to figure out, well, we figured out how to provide for widows who are in, in Jerusalem, but we haven't figured out how to provide for the Hellenistic widows meaning those who were in the Greek world that came here for a feast and now didn't go home. So they had to establish a brand new order called the diaconate, deacons. And this is where we see Philip and Stephen and others in Acts chapter 6 begin to develop a whole system around which they can now provide for widows that they didn't plan for because the temple would not. So we know that there began to be new structures created for the needs that were presented for this new thing called the church. And Stephen was just, I mean, these guys were, you see, the only reason they established it is to, to make sure that the widows had their two-piece meals. I mean, Stephen was a DoorDash guy. He was just delivering food. That's all he was doing. And he opened, they opened the door, he gives the food, and, and, and they're in a wheelchair. He says, what you doing in a wheelchair? He prays for them. They get up. And he says, ah, oh, who is Stephen. And all of a sudden, stuff began to happen. More things happened. It was an amazing thing, these guys. New things were beginning to occur. What we see here in Acts chapter 4, we can in interpret that there were needs that needed to be met by the church that could no longer be met the normal way through the Jewish temple. But we don't see the need until Joseph begins to meet it. And Joseph, it says, who was called Bar uh, Barnabas, meaning son of encouragement, had attractive land and he decided to sell it and give it to the apostles so they could distribute it as they saw fit. Wow. We don't know what, what caused all the apostles because Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. Luke wrote the book of Luke and it's a continuation, Acts is, of Luke. It's now just what happened with the apostles after Jesus' resurrection. And we know Luke did not record his opinion as much as he recorded the facts of history. And he wasn't the one that changed Barnabas' name from Joseph to Barnabas. He recorded what the other people said about Joseph that changed his name from Joseph to Barnabas. <laughs> and whatever it was, like, wow! Has anybody looked at you and saw you were so extraordinary at one thing, they said, you need to change your name. Wow. Wow. That's never happened to me. Though I've never enjoyed my name, and I wish somebody would. <laughs> I'm not mad at my parents. My dad didn't have the George Foreman revelation. He was married before. His first son, was, he, he gave him his name, Joseph. My dad's name was Joseph. He named his first son Joseph. That marriage didn't work out. He married my mom. I'm firstborn in that relationship. They called me Brett. 
I asked him every day of my life, why can't I have your name? And he just didn't know George Foreman. George hadn't been born yet. <laughs> just look on the internet, you'll figure it out. They named me Brett. I asked my mama, what does that mean? My mama loved TV. Loved TV. And there was a show called The Maverick Brothers. One's name was Brett, the other Bart. They were riverboat gamblers. I, mean, I, t I said, Baba, couldn't you like another show? I mean, like, really? That's the best you could come up with? Did you name me after a crook? A swindler. She just liked the name. Five years later, my brother comes. Yep, Bart. <laughs> she really liked the show. <laughs> you can't make this up. <laughs> so I was always trying to figure out, change my game. You can do it. You started it. You're the one who called me. Do something different. What is so great about you that prompts somebody to change your name? Whatever it was with Joseph, he was such an encouragement that the entire leadership said, we have to change his name. I beg you, be that great. He was just a church member, y'all. He wasn't Peter. He wasn't James. He wasn't John. You couldn't attach apostle to his name afterwards. Nothing. He was just a guy. You want to know how to be a good church member? Do something so wonderful that it inspires people to call you something different. There goes Miss Amazing. <laughs> There's Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> Don't let him be satisfied with Jim, Sandy, Antoine, Jose. Don't let him be satisfied. Be that kind of church member. And, so, and, 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 and you don't have to come up with something brand new. Just... Just copy what Barnabas did. I don't know what he did, but he was such an encouragement to everybody else that he stood out. Now, I think out of the encouragement, he started a giving revival as well. In that, he, said he, he sold a track of land, laid it at the apostles' feet, and said, do whatever you need to do with this so that people can be provided for. We don't find out later, in, 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 as, in, until later as we read, exactly what needed to happen in order to see people provided. The, the poor weren't being cared for in the church. And so people started doing whatever Barnabas did in order to see that happen. But Barnabas started it. He started it. And you could not, and the rule was in Jewish law, you could not sell a piece of property outside of a city that was handed to you by inheritance because God wanted everybody to keep their inheritance of property from generation to generation. You could sell it if you wanted to somebody within your family, but it could not be sold outside the family. But if it was within a city, you could sell it to anybody. And it seems that Barnabas decided, I'll sell this my rental property so that somebody might be provided for. And then it started a giving revival 
where people started selling stuff all over the place and say, I'll give it to the church, I'll give it to the church, give it to the church. Amazing, and this was way above the tithe and the offering. Whatever they would normally give, this was the unusual, and it captured the apostles' attention. And it wasn't because Barnabas was trying to get attention. He was just trying to meet a need. But even before he did that, they were, changed, they, they were calling him different, Barnabas. And, and if you can't figure out a new way, just go ahead and copycat what's already in Scripture. You'll be okay. Yeah. Encourage people. Isn't there enough discouraging news? Isn't there enough? I mean, I watch the news because I've got to keep my finger on the pulse of what, what's going on in our world. And I've noticed that gas prices have come down. What do y'all think about that? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing, good thing, good thing. This is what the news tells you. Gas prices are still high, but they are coming down a little. Dude, where's the rejoicing? Where's, where's the no, note of encouragement? Even the good things that happen have to be brought out in a negative way so that people can feel the drama and be more engaged with the negative. And you know how people talk bad about you on the internet, how they throw your name on social media. You make one mistake, it's all over the place. And then your friends are silent. They may not join in, but they're silent. They just watch the melee. One post after another, and then they'll DM you. I'm praying for you. I hope things are well. <laughs> You're not helping me very much. Negativity is just every place, and I choose not to participate in it. I don't talk about other ministers. I don't talk about other ministries. I don't talk about people bad. I, I just choose not to. You grow up in my house, my kids have never heard us say a bad word about a human being. We don't talk about people. We don't except to pray for them. That's all we do. Why? Because our job is not to criticize, but to encourage. And it doesn't mean we don't speak truth. I do that. Hang around my staff and talk to them. I'll speak truth. But it is important that we emphasize what God emphasizes. Elijah comes to Ahab. Ahab's the king. Kings, 1 Kings 17. And he says, by the way, it's not going to rain except when I tell it to. And Ahab just looks at him. Never seen him before. This wasn't a recognized prophet. He just showed up. Walks out. Nobody thinks much of it, except after six months when it, when it hadn't rained. Now, who, who, who's, who's that guy? Who's that guy, kid? A year. Hey, hey, where, where's that dude? Go find that dude. A year and a half later, CIA, Green Beret, Navy SEALs, Rangers, all of them involved in trying to find out where Elijah is. Goes on for three years. Three years. One word brought a curse to the land. One word. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. <laughs> Part of that's true. Sticks and stones will break your bones. <laughs> but words hurt worse. 
You heal from a broken bone in six weeks. Some of y'all are still dealing with the negative things people said about you when you were a kid. A mom, a dad, uncle, coach, teacher. You'll never amount to anything. You're just stupid. You're an idiot. Go over there. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Sit out on the bench till I tell you to get up. Words that have stuck with you all your life. At best, you've tried to navigate through them. At worst, they've marked you so that when somebody begins to, to criticize or say something legitimate about what you've done wrong, you explode. You can't even hear truth because it's so marked you deeply. It's how you filter all of life. One word. Elijah said it's time to bring rain, and he goes to pray. He gets up on a mountain called Carmel and starts talking to God. Now, you'd think a man who was able to tell the weather what to do by the authority of Almighty God would just need to whisper to God, all of a sudden it would just happen. That's what you think, because surely he's got a connection. He prays, Lord, bring rain. And he's in the fetal position when he prays. He's not just talking. He is doing what, what seems to be a birthing action in order to produce rain in the land. He prays, nothing happens. He prays twice, nothing happens. Three times, nothing happens. Four times, nothing. By this time, you've quit. You say, God ain't interested in answering my prayer. I'm just not going to talk anymore. Five times, nothing happens. Six times, nothing happens. Seven times. Seven times he intercedes and asks God, please bring rain. And he sees the cloud the size of a man's hand over the Mediterranean Sea. And he tells his servant, go tell Ahab and everybody else, you better get to wherever you're going to be because the storm is coming that you're not going to be able to navigate. It's going to rain so hard. My point is this. It took one word to alter the reality of Israel's blessing to where it was now perceived as the land was cursed. It took seven in order to bring the blessing. You need to encourage much more than you need to criticize. Barnabas encouraged so much that they said, we got to change your name. Joseph, we got to change your name to Barnabas because you are an amazing encourager. If you can't find what you're supposed to do, just copy what somebody done in the Bible. You'll figure it out on the way. Be an encourager. As a result of both his encouragement, this is what it means to, to just be a good church member, y'all. I'm not talking about trying to be a minister in my right, what I do, what anybody else does who's paid full time. I'm talking about just being a good church member. Because of that, he rose up the ranks and got more stewardship. People said, that dude's something. He, that, there's nobody like, wow, he's just, yeah, do, go, man. You got our blessing. You'll get more opportunities to please God. They sent him off to minister to the people that were Cyprian and, 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 and Cretan birth and the Gentiles. And, and he came and brought a report back and said, this thing is for real. And he blessed them. And it was said of Barnabas. And this is something that, that Luke didn't have to record. He just could have given the report that Barnabas gave to the people of Jerusalem. Great, great things happening, good stuff, legit. <laughs> Let's go to the Gentiles. But Luke is even impressed 
with who Barnabas is. It says, for Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. What do people say about you? How do they describe you? And when we talk about good, good doesn't just mean you haven't done bad. Good means that you're actually doing good. We think because we are so messed up on the inside that if we haven't done the thing that somebody did to us that hurt us, that we have done good by not doing bad. We think we've really upped the bar. I didn't slap them. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Mm, mm, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> we pat ourselves on the back when we haven't done wrong. That's how messed up we are. You want to say man's good? This will help you understand that he's not. That we think we've done really, really great when we haven't done really, really bad. But God has a different standard. He says, I not only not want you to do bad, good, don't do bad, please don't do bad. But do good. Find out how to bless your enemy. Love those who persecute you and pray for them. Something about Barnabas was really good. And it doesn't say this about anybody in the New Testament very much. A couple of times. But he gets the pub. He gets the accolade here. Barnabas was a good man. And full of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that you really can't be as good as you need to be unless you've got God helping you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to assist you at every level of your life, every way, at all times. You can't be good enough even if you think you are better than everybody else. Just being better than bad doesn't make you good. And everybody else is messed up and we judge ourselves by everybody else thinking that we're okay because we haven't done what they've done. When reality is the standard is Christ, not him, not her. What would Jesus do in this circumstance? How would he touch the lives of people when, when folks were, were mean to him? What, what does it look like to love your enemies? You've got to be full of the Holy Spirit to do that. Not just saved, but filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're talking about what it means to be theologically correct and experientially correct, sometimes those are two different things. I don't think anybody who's saved can have any more of the Spirit than they presently have. I think they can have less of them than they presently have. And you're taking up too much space. You don't get a piece of God when you get saved. You get all of him. But experientially, you may not have what you need in order to address the problem, to address the issue. And so you need more of him, it seems like, but it's really just less of you. And so that he fills up every crevice in your soul, all the thoughts in your brain, all the words that come out of your mouth. He's filling them so that when you are around other people, all they see, feel, and taste is Jesus. And that flows right into faith. 
He said he was full of faith. How do you approach your circumstances? How do you approach the difficulty that comes to you? Because you've got to have faith, not just faith to be saved, but faith to make it through on the other side better than when you started. You cannot let the circumstances begin to define who you are and what you do. I realize when bad, bad stuff happens and bad news comes your way, the first thing usually is, oh, here we go again. I knew the other shoe was going to drop. It's going to be bad. Worry, fear, concern overrides all of your theology. And maybe you need a moment to recalibrate. Nothing wrong with that. But you need that moment and do the recalibration. Do not stay there. I'm always surprised Though I never should be when difficulty comes my way. I just hadn't planned for it. So it shows up without an appointment. So I'm surprised when it shows up. And I'm going, what in the world? How did that? Why? And then as soon as those words start coming up, I said, no, no, no. I am not going to respond like this. I know what my Bible says. I know who my God is to me. I know what he's got promised for me. I am not going to let this stand. Sometimes I can't pray it away, but I can pray me through it differently. Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear. Because his rod and his staff comfort me every day. His word is with me in spirit. That's faith working. You don't just use your faith to get to heaven. You use your faith every day to save your marriage. You use your faith every day to heal a relationship that's busted. To believe that your children are going to get through the other side when they're in the middle of it right now. You use your faith. And you talk to God not out of worry. But Lord, I know your promises. I know who you are. I know what you've got planned for me. He who did not spare his only son, will he not give us all things? Barnabas was full of faith. Full of faith. This was just a good church member. Just a good church member. In order for us to accomplish what we're called to accomplish for Washington, D.C., we need about 5,000 Barnabases. 5,000. Minimum. I'm begging you can be one of them. What would be the feminine of Barnabas? I don't know. Barbara? Barbara's? How about Barbara's? <laughs> Barbara's? Okay, we'll go with Barbara. Male and female, we need you to live like this. So marvelously, you Joseph and Josephines. I got it this time. I didn't miss that one. Joseph and Josephines, that somebody comes and changes your name to Barnabas and Barbara. Let's pray. God, I'm asking your grace. Help us to live this way so that we can see this city one. Inspire and motivate. Thank you for giving us an example like Barnabas. Thank you.